is an incredible group of teenagers that are graduating out, but they are, in, they are as incredible as they are because of their parents. So if you're the parent of one of these students up here, would you just stand up right where you are so we can honor you? That would be fantastic. Go ahead, stand up all, yeah, there we go. There we go, we see ya. You guys are incredible. It has been an incredible honor to be able to work with your students and we're excited about their future. All right, let's pray over them. Uh, you know, some of these uh, kids, you think you're never going to see them again, but I have uh, students that came to our church that are now in becoming doctors in the next year or so, and they call me and have appointments with me about twice a week. At about 6.30 in the morning, they call and talk to me before they go to classes. And uh, so they always keep contact with me. So even though you may not see them, they are still being uh, taught, mentored, and uh, tutored. So uh, that is a scary thing. I'm not going to give you the guy's names because then you wouldn't ever go to the medical world. And, and so, but I'm telling you, God's got great things in store for you guys. And uh, yes, for you. I want that a girl that's taking psychology to talk to you before you leave today. And uh, so, hallelujah. God's got great things for you. I'm just astounded. I, of course, I've seen you guys born here, raised here. God, you used to play in the office. And... Uh, and uh, so, uh, but God has great things in store for you, and you're going to change the world. You're going to not just change the people that you're in contact with. You will literally change the world. And uh, so, everybody stretch forth your hand to these. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, let your spirit, God, God of excellence, you said, Father, that you gave Daniel a spirit of excellence. God, he was able to obtain, receive, have knowledge engrafted in him, God, and that, God, he was able to apply it in a way that would make him a success. Now, God, let that spirit of excellence be upon these students today. God, let their future be prosperous and successful. Yeah. God, keep a hunger and thirst in their life for righteousness. And God, I thank you for it. Amen and amen. Praise God. And you're going to get married in how many years? Never mind. Two? Two. Hey, you got... All right, that's pretty quick. All right, praise God. I have a challenge just to the, the family of faith out here that, you know, these kids go away and twice a year we reach out to our college students and we definitely keep tabs on them. You may see some Instagram posts. We send them sweatshirts with their church name on them. We send them care packages, whether it's homemade cookies or muffins or pencils and highlighters, just to let them know that we're thinking of them. But I would challenge each and every one of you today, surely most of you know one of these kids up here today. If you don't, grab a face. Grab a face and after church, grab a name and commit to pray with these kids. Listen, they go through financial struggle. They go through where, where they belong. I don't know if I made the right choice. Most college students change their careers twice within a four-year period of time. It's a place of indecisiveness. They need their church supporting them with prayer 
and literally seeking God to speak to them. These kids go through it. They go through it really quick. Some of them are picking up and moving everything they know. And the devil looks for the opportunity to sniff them out at that moment. Everything they've learned in their foundation of Christianity will be challenged within the next four years. Don't take lightly that these kids just go away. Out of sight, out of mind. That's not true. That's not a family of faith. Out of sight in our prayers. Mm -hmm. Amen. So I'm just asking you to take a different culture look as a church and say, these are our kids. This is our families. And we care one for another so much that we'll lift up these kids in prayer. So please make a reach out. And oftentimes, if you don't have a name of somebody, go to Alexis at the Welcome Center. She knows every one of these kids' names and where they're going. I'm literally asking to know where each one of them is going, in what state and what college or if they're staying home, because if they're staying home, we're plugging them in this church on every weekend You're because we want them to stay involved in their local church because the world wants to get them involved cowboy. in their plan. Got it? All right. Love you guys. Just keep them in prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. Congratulations, guys. Praise God. Congratulations. All right. You guys can grab your seats and we'll head back to the teens after praise and worship. Um, there were a few students that weren't able to be here today. They were in the video, but they weren't actually able to be here. But we just want you to know, we hope you're live streaming. We love you as well, and those prayers work for you as well. So right now, we're going to transition into praise and worship for our new fifth graders. This will be an experience for you. But we're excited to worship and praise God who keeps all things moving forward. Your students are growing up and maturing because God's faithful. Amen? Because he's faithful. He gave you what you needed to raise them. And so we're just going to worship Jesus this morning a little bit, thinking that they're getting a little bit older. If you're one of the graduating parents, maybe mourn a little bit that they're getting a little bit older. But we're going to worship Jesus together. So if you would stand to your feet, stretch it out a little bit. You've been sitting down for a few minutes, you know, get the blood flow going. Let's praise and worship Jesus. Nobody in it 
broken I believe there's about to be another resurrection Come alive Wake up sleeper He is risen We are risen with Him
dance like the weight has been lifted cause grace is waiting dance like the weight has been lifted cause grace is waiting oh dance like the weight has been lifted grace is to worship in America because we are free and we are free to worship Jesus. But see, there's, there's something that reigns above that and that's the freedom we have in Christ. And the day that we accepted Christ, there's a freedom that's been given to you from every chain, every bondage that has held you. The day you said yes to Christ, there is freedom. There is freedom. Now, I love America, but there's a freedom that reigns supreme, and it comes from Jesus. And you see, that's the freedom we need. That's the freedom we need. So when we sing about dance like the weight has been lifted, I understand that sometimes there's still weights that hold you and bind you down. But dance like the weight has been lifted is faith that speaks and says, okay, I might feel a little dragged down right here, but I'm going to dance. I'm gonna dance because at some point it's gonna pop open and it's not gonna hold me no longer. Cause see, by faith, I'm going to dance like that weight is gone. That weight doesn't touch me anymore. You can touch my scar, but it don't hurt. It don't hurt. The weight has been lifted. So today, take that revelation as we sing dance like the weight has been lifted. What's holding you today? What's holding you today? Let's use our faith to say, I'm going to choose to dance today like it's gone in Jesus' mighty name. Dance like the way. Dance like the way has been lifted because grace is waiting for you. Dance like the way has been lifted because grace is waiting. Dance like the way has been lifted Waiting, oh, 
Your 
appreciate your sacrifice and your choice and how courageous you are. So today I have an analogy for you and I am going to play the role of the Holy Spirit and Evan, our awesome keyboardist, I heard that little riff you put in the first song, it was nice, he is going to be the follower of Christ. So Evan, today, can you close your eyes and can you play a C note? Okay, he can do that because he has had years of experience. You can let it go, thank you. Years of experience, he knows what he's doing, and that for the believer is like giving a tithe. Next, Evan, can you play with your, you can open your eyes. Can you play Mary Had a Little Lamb? Good, thank you. Now that is like when Pastor Peter says somebody in the church, their house burnt down. I need money to support them in this time of their season. You'll watch people hesitate, but then the line will stretch to the back door as they line up to give. And the, the offering ends up being more than what pastor said that family needed. That is like what it says in 1 Timothy 6.18, to tell them to use their money to do good. That's what you're doing. The scripture actually is backing up what you're doing. And you're probably not even thinking about it because that's part of human nature that God put in us. It says to be rich in good works, generous to those in need, and always being willing to share. Now the next step, Evan, can you play a song by Beethoven? Now before Evan, here's what I'm going to say. His heart is now thumping. Beethoven, the dead famous composer, wrote numerous musical compositions. Evan is skilled. He has experience. He probably knows a little bit of a lot of them but he doesn't know which one I'm going to say. Are you ready? Can you play the introduction of Fur Elise? <laughs> very good, thank you, my favorite. Thank you, Evan, that was very nice. So, this is like when the Holy Spirit says, I want you to do something big. You feel that thumping in your chest? The thought might not leave your mind. <laughs> you want to say no, no. Evan could have said no. He knew what to do, but he could have said no. So many years ago, somebody gave me a large sum of money. And as I was thinking about 
all the great and noble things I was going to do with it, the Lord said, I want you to give it away. And I said, I don't think so. I went on, and a few days later, I prayed about it again. And the Lord said, I want you to give it away. <laughs> then he started telling me the people, and I started to see their faces. So I was like, oh, man, that feeling in my chest, I can't get rid of it. The unctioning of the Holy Spirit. You might not have a feeling. That might not be you, but it's a thought that is not of your own that you know you probably wouldn't do. And so by the time I got ready to write the checks, I was excited. And I can tell you that because now I don't even remember all the people I gave it to. I was excited to partner with the Lord because it was his answer to prayer. And so I gave that money. Later on, I found out that I had actually answered through the Holy Spirit telling me what to do, somebody's prayer. Very specific. And you know how that happens? Because it says it in Scripture. In 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 12, it says that two things come from giving. The needs of believers are met. Their prayers. The Lord hears. He tells you and I what to do. And we are the physical fruition of the finality of the answer. And those who receive that gift express thanks to God. So the Lord is glorified. Now in verse 11 of 2 Corinthians 9, it says that God will enrich you in every way so you can always be generous. <laughs> so I'm asking you this week, when you go back to work on Tuesday, when you go to school on Thursday, today, has the Holy Spirit prompted you to do something? It might not be financial. It might be making a meal for your neighbor. It might be time given and helping someone with their electric. I just heard of a friend who was doing that. That is being generous with what you have. And you might say, the Holy Spirit's never prompted me to do anything. Then I would ask you to think about it and ask the Lord, do you want me to do something? And just listen. So let's bow our heads. Father, as we pass out the envelopes and the buckets come down, I thank you in 2 Corinthians 9, it says that you give seed to the sower and bread to eat it. You complete, you start and you complete the opportunity to always be generous. The passage says it over and over again. So I ask that the word does not return void and that as people listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit this week, Father God, that lives would be changed, prayers are answered, and you're glorified. In the name of Jesus, amen. Generation. 
time that we think, well, we got Monday off, which may be, uh, but it's also a day that we remember those that have given their life, and uh, as well as those that have preceded us in death through life. And so it's a time that we remember people that have had an impact on us. So I do encourage you, make sure you share your grandmothers and grandfathers and your mother and dad with your children. Keep them alive. I hope my grandchildren are talking to me 
talking about me 10 generations from now. Maybe using it on a flannel board. Don't be like this man. Uh, Whatever it might be. But praise God. So I do encourage you to uh, reminisce, talk about, and honor those that have had an impact on your life. And I've had a lot of them. Amen? And I'm sure that you have too. So, uh, David, who was the greatest impact on your life? Besides me, David. (laughs) Your father-in-law, John Bowers. Yep, John Bowers was a great guy. Yes, he sure was. So, and he gave you his daughter twice. Twice he gave her to you. (laughs) Like you didn't get it right the first time. What is your problem? No. So uh, please remember, reminisce, and to celebrate. You might say, what am I rambling for? I'm trying to kill some time. Do I have any time, Eric? Okay, not yet. So... Phyllis, you look nice today. Stand up, let us see what you got on, darling. Uh, huh? It, it's hard to imagine such handsomeness as in one package. <laughs> Hallelujah. Eric and I just returned from Honduras. And... Uh, yeah, we had, a, had lots of people saved and lots of miracles and crippled blind eyes and deaf ears, deaf mutes, and uh, so forth. I'm trying to get Eric, uh, Eric's trying to get one loaded. A whole family came, and uh, they just needed a touch from God. And I think he's got, just about got that done. Right, Eric? It's coming. Hallelujah. What is it? Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. It'll be worth it. You know, sometimes we, in the testimony line, we see miracles so fast that we forget them. And we really forget, you know, their stories. And uh, I hate to do that, but it's just... uh, it is the truth of the matter that we're running them through so fast that uh, we just don't get all of the information. And, uh, but this story was very touching. All right, we are ready. I want to show you just a little clip. This family, if you can show that up on the screen, this is where I'm praying for this man's wife, this little girl's mother. She is born deaf and dumb. She is blind in her left eye. Her daughter has been blind for seven years, and her husband came with a crippled hand because it had been cut. And uh, it just, that's a him there in the green but that man married this woman deaf and dumb married this woman blind in one eye 
And they had this young daughter that was born blind for seven years. So we prayed for them, as you've seen in the line. The man got healed first. And uh, they may show that next week when they get this all connected. But uh, his hand was totally healed. He was just enthusiastic about his miracle. And then his daughter got healed before he did. She could see out of that uh, left eye, same eye that her mother was blind out of for seven years. And then her mother, born blind and deaf and dumb, heard for the very first time, spoke for the very first time, saw for the very first time, and you could see her eyeballs start changing color as she started seeing clearer and clearer and clearer. And God just blessed that family. And it just, I was so grateful that God blessed that family. That church, of the sides of that church, seats two 747 airplanes in it. It's the largest church in Honduras. And uh, we were invited to come. The first couple of times we had to cancel on them. Uh, but they kept asking us, so we went this time. And uh, the pastor was not there. He was in Spain someplace doing something because uh, he had meetings lined up. And uh, so we were able to be there, and he, he just trusted us with the church. But it was a great time, and uh, so we'll have a little footage next week, just how many people get saved and so forth. And we want to thank you for helping us go. Uh, you know, we couldn't go if we didn't have a church that believed in the world. Amen? So I want to thank you for that. All right. Having said all of that, if you will turn your Bibles today, hallelujah, and let's turn our Bibles to Revelations 3.20. Revelations 3.20. We started a series last week, probably finish it next week, and we started talking about how to hear God. Does God talk? Does God talk concerning everything in our life? And he doesn't. There are many things that we already know the responsibility of. You got to go to the bathroom. Don't take too long to pray. Go to the bathroom. You get hungry, you eat. These are basic responsibilities of mankind. And so we don't need to pray about those things or hear the voice of God about those things. And really, we don't need to hear the voice of God in everything we do. We should be led of His Spirit, and we should be equipped by the fruits of the Spirit that we move into those realms that we don't have to be told to be nice to somebody, kind to somebody, or to love somebody, or to do something good for somebody. Those are basic responsibilities of Christians, amen? And if we're going to be Christians Christ-like, then that's what we're going to do. We are going to serve God. There are no alternatives. Life is too short to clutter it up with options that will not affect your eternity. 
That's what I'll tell you there. So, let's look at Romans 3.20. Do we have that on the screen? Oh, yes, there it is. No, no, that's that good-looking guy there. Yes, Romans, yeah, Revelation 3.20. Ah, there I am. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, here I am. I stand at the door. Kind of interesting, he doesn't say I come to the door. He says I am standing or I have a place at the door. And I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens a free, an act of free will, opens the door, then I will come in. And I will eat with the person and they with me. In other words, when Jesus knocks, it is to say something, but that something leads us to a place of deep intimacy with him, a place that we begin to know him as those that never open the door do. Now, when Jesus comes, it may seem like an inconvenience, but what he's trying to do is get something to you. I will come in. In other words, we will be joined to Christ and walk with him in an entirely different way when we begin to respond to his voice. And so Jesus is standing. Somebody say he's standing. Even today he's standing at the door and he's knocking and he wants to come in and to fellowship with us. He wants to break bread with us. He wants to unveil himself to you and I. And so Jesus says that in Revelations, and if you'll go to John 10, 27, John 10, 27, this is something we talked about last week about you and I being created to know the voice of God. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So here we see that you and I, when we are born again, we know the voice of God. Believe me, you know the voice of God. And you really, even a backslider, when God says he's married to the backslider, it simply means that he is always aware of the relationship that he's had with this backslider, and the backslider cannot get the taste of the goodness of God out of his mouth. Once you've tasted God, then you just know God. And so one time I was along a river road with a young lady, and uh, I'd got out of the car to smoke a cigarette, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, uh, all of a sudden, I heard this voice. Son, what are you doing here? And I immediately knew who it was, and I turned to him, and I said, why don't you just leave me alone? Thank God God did not take that 
as the last word. And I, I said to him, why don't you just leave me alone? I don't want anything to do with you. Well, God never said anything else. He just left. That so impacted my life, even as a sinner, that I take my grandkids by there if I'm driving or if I'm floating the river fishing or whatever it is. I take them by that spot and I constantly tell them that is the place where God spoke to me as a sinner, a backslider, and he called me his son. Now, I don't understand all of the theology or the mechanics of he shouldn't have said that or, well, that wasn't really God and that, well, well, it was God. You wasn't there, so you can't tell me. And uh, so I do know God's voice, and I did know it then. And don't sell yourself short that you do not know God's voice today. You are created, born again, and you are made a new creature. And one of the things that is inherited in you is the ability to know God's voice. Amen? Now, last week we talked about the ways to hear God, and we're going to extend that this week. But one of the first ways that we talked about was just be still. Calm yourself down. You know, we are all about multitasking. You know, we go to the bathroom, we've got to be playing a game. Uh, you know, we've we got to be looking at Facebook. We've got to be doing this. We've got to be doing that. You know, we need to chill out. There is more to life than the empty moment that you're passing through in. And I mean empty moment. If it isn't transforming your life or impacting somebody else's life, it is a moment that you have missed to do so. And so we, we have kids. You know the attention span of a child now is almost down to about four seconds. Four seconds. You know, Phyllis yells at me, you aren't paying attention. I said, I know I've been playing video games. I don't play video games because I, I'm not good enough to win. And uh, so... But I'm telling you right now that we are raising a generation that has to be constantly active, hearing something, seeing something, and participating in something. And it's real hard for them to settle down and to really hear. So the first thing we want to do is get still. Just, I know it's a, a challenge, just shut up. And I'm not trying to be mean to you, but I'm telling you, you got two ears and you got one mouth. And you ought to listen twice as much as you talk. That's just basic addition. Come on, if you got two ears, you ought to be doing what those ears ask you to do. If you've got one outlet or one mouth, you ought to limit to what it is doing. Yeah, you missed a good place to shout. Now, and then we talked about Study. You need to study. And when you study, you need to hear what God is trying to say to you out of that scripture. Number three was meditation. Start thinking about what God is saying, presenting to you, because in it is the life of God. When you read a scripture, it's logos, and when 
you digest or meditate or hear that scripture, it turns to rhema, filled, dripping, full of life, the life of God. And then we talked about worship, spending time with the Lord, worshiping Him, putting your attention on Him. And those were the first four ways. So today we're going to talk about hearing God. Now, how many of you are married? Then you know that you've been scolded a thousand times for not listening. I know when Phyllis wants to talk because she turns the TV down. So I just say, do you want something? Yes, I want to talk. I say, well, I can listen to you and the TV. Honey, I'm 70, 